Well, once again, we're just so glad that y'all are here and I hope that you feel God's presence. Uh, I really do. That's always our desire in coming to church is to worship him and acknowledge him and who he is. And I know I came to preach a little bit today. I'm gonna bring some fire and I hope you're excited about that. I hope you're looking for something from the Lord uh, because I, I'm, I'm, I have something like God has put on my heart and I'm excited to share. And so if you're watching online, thank you so much for participating. Even though you're on a screen, like we absolutely still feel that you're connected and we will be partaking in communion at the end of this service. So if you're online, if you wanna go grab some crackers and some juice or something uh, to get ready for that at the end of the service, that would be fantastic. And if you're new to Grace Church, if you're new to Christianity, just so you're aware, uh, we are in, like this is week, the first week of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so for us as a church, we've done this for a number of years in a row where we take this period of time to just say, hey, this is the beginning of the year and we wanna acknowledge the Lord, cry out to him. And so sometimes people are like, well, why in the world, you know, would you do that? Why would you, you know, deny yourself? Why would you intentionally fast? And, and so what it does is it, it helps us to bring focus in our lives. So there's so many distractions in our life. Uh, and, and, and honestly, there's so many of them. It's like, well, which one do I wanna fast? And, and sometimes we just need to fast all of them. And so many of us are fasting particular items like with, with media and, and distractions. Some of us are fasting from food. Some of us are fasting from particular types of food. Uh, and so I just, I wanna encourage you with that. It helps us to bring focus and it shows our, our desire for more of the Lord. It really does. It talks about in scripture where, you know, Jesus said, when you fast. So it's something that, that we're to do in our spiritual growth. And quite honestly, there are some physical benefits uh, to fasting, and, but really our intent is that we would have that spiritual breakthrough. And so if you're at the point in your life where maybe you've been following after the Lord or you've been coming to church for a little while and you're going, I want more. And so I would just invite you to join in with that fast. And so maybe, maybe you are looking for something from the Lord. In fact, if, if you would do me a favor, if you're looking for something from God in a particular area, could you, could you clap for me? Like if you want more of God. Yeah, I, I know many of us do. Whether it's, whether it's we're praying for something financial or healing or, or just for our family, like many of us, we want more of the Lord in our life. And so, uh, you know, I just, uh, fasting is one of the ways that we can bind the hands of the enemy and just kind of get God's attention. And if you're not sure what to fast, uh, my favorite thing that I've heard so far, one of the kids of our staff members is fasting broccoli. Like, yes, <laughs> yes, Jesus is in that. And so there you go, no more broccoli. Like all the kids are like, yes. And um, so I just, man, there's so many different things that we can fast. And, and I just, I wanna encourage you, you know, so the title of my message is, is a life of desperation. And I'm gonna be preaching out of Matthew chapter three. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Matthew three, or you can open up on your Bible app on your mobile device. Uh, but then if you don't have either of those, the verses will be up on the screen uh, for you to follow along. But I wanna pause right now and I just, I wanna pray uh, and just kind of acknowledge that God's here and ask that he would speak. And so Lord, we come before you and Father, I'm, I'm gonna talk about a life of desperation, but really Lord, it's, it's your word, it's your scripture. It's what you breathed out and, and, and people wrote down so that we could read it. And, and so Lord, I ask for your Holy Spirit uh, to communicate, to speak to us about what that looks like in our life. And so God, I thank you so much for your presence here during this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Well, so this is uh, the middle of January, and, and I don't know about you, but anytime a, a new year comes along, there's always this newness and excitement about a new year. But this is the 16th, and so all your New Year's resolutions, they're all done and gone. Like, it's two weeks ago. That's old news. You know, you probably have passed those. But, I mean, come on, seriously, there, there is this, this level of anticipation you know what I'm talking about when there's a new year? It's like, hey, it's December, new year's coming. Can't wait for the next year. So why is that? Like why, and I really believe it's because every single one of us, we have this desire for newness. We do, we want to have this fresh start in our life where we can say that was before, now this, that's the end and so we can move forward. So there's something significant about that. And so why, why do we want that fresh start? It's because there's hope in our life. Right? We're looking for something new, so there's hopeful opportunities. We have aspirations, dreams, and so there's just that excitement that comes along with a new year. And so I know for, for me as the lead pastor and for us as a staff and the lead team, like we definitely have a very high level of excitement and anticipation for what God is doing in our church, in our people, amongst us, in our community. And so I just, I wanna encourage you with that because I believe that God wants to do more in you in your life, in your marriage, if you're married, in your home, in your family, at work. I believe that for this year. And so that's why we do our prayer and fasting because just, just to show our desire for him. And, and so we hope, right? And, and so when you understand hope, hope is that wonderful feeling that we have, right? It, 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 but when you look down really how it relates to our connection with the Lord, hope is, it shows our trust, in God, doesn't it? We're hoping for something new and we're trusting that God will meet us in that place. And so our trust is in the Lord. But then the thing that's interesting is that the Lord loves that. He wants us to put all of our hope and trust in him. But then there's something that he reciprocates back to us. And this is the way the formula works where we hope and trust him. And we're like, God, come on, come on. Like we want you to move powerfully in this year. That's exciting. And then God says, that's awesome. And I will. And so what are you gonna do? Like, cause, cause there has to be movement and action on our part. Cause when we're desperate and we've all been desperate, every single one of us, we have had something that we were desperate for or to want or to desire. And so what happens is that creates that internal drive, doesn't it? I want this so bad, I'm willing to do anything. I'm willing to adjust. I'm willing to make these plans and, and move in this certain direction because I want it so bad. So that passion comes up along with the hope and we're willing to go to great lengths and sometimes extreme measures in our life. And so that's what prayer and fasting is about. That's our desire and hope and passion is to go more after the Lord. And so what is it that you're desperate for right now. A number of years ago, uh, I was actually desperate to have a truck. Uh, just to be totally honest, I, I'm the third of six kids and, and my oldest brother had a truck. I don't know if it was kind of the, you know, looking up to the older brother thing or just I wanted to have a truck or whatever it is. But so for a long time, I really, really wanted to have a truck. And I can remember wanting one even when I was in college. Uh, so I, we, I was away at school and, and Nicole and I had started dating and it was wonderful. And so we, we were together for a little while and, you know, we had had a few of those talks, you know, about the future and what our lives looked like together and maybe, look, maybe get 
getting married. And, and so after the summer of my junior year, I had a, an internship and it was a paid internship. Uh, and so it just, it was a wonderful blessing. And so I, I finished that over the summer going into my senior year and I had money in my pocket. And so I, you know, I got back to school and I told Nicole and I was like, man, I just, I would really love to have a truck. And so she knew that, but we had been having some talks about what the future looks like. And so I know she was like, oh no, if he gets a truck, then I don't get a ring. And so that's just kind of how it worked. And I waited for a truck. And I mean, that's, I love you, honey. You know, <laughs> no resentment, I promise. Um, but, you know, we all have stories like that of things and hopes and things that we were, that we wanted, that we were desperate for, we were willing to work hard for. But so, because I'm a pastor, you know, everything for me does has, have this spiritual emphasis. And so when was the last time that you were desperate for God? You know, when was the last time that you were desperate for a move of the Holy Spirit in your life? When was the last time you woke up and maybe it wasn't your, your alarm that woke you up. Maybe, maybe just you woke up and you had this desire and passion for the Lord or you had a worship song that, that just came to your mind. And when was the last time that that happened? When was the last time you're just like, I've got to talk to God, I've got to pray. I, like when, when did that take place most recently? When was the last time you were just overwhelmed with the presence of the Holy Spirit? And I'm not talking about like feeling guilty or condemned. I'm talking about where you felt God's presence and you're going, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is incredible. And, and you just, you had this response of worship or praise or appreciation back to the Lord. And so when we dive into this message and this passage and this scripture, uh, it, it really, it's, it's the story of John the Baptist. I love the, the passages with him in it. It's, it's just an incredible man and calling in his life. So his purpose was to prepare the way for the coming Messiah. And so for the coming of the Lord. And, and so Israel had waited for centuries. And so they were desperate for the Lord to come and show up. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter three, starting in verse one. It says, in those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and he began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said his voice shouting in the wilderness, or he is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. There's another thing that you can fast, locusts. I'm fasting locusts. You can join me in that fast. But, so when you read these verses about John, he had a very, very specific calling and purpose. And I love that. And so as your pastor, I want to say, I believe that you, you also have a specific calling and purpose that the Lord has laid out for you in your life. I believe that for you. And so I just, is it a purpose that you're desperate for though? Like I have to ask that question because if I say you have a purpose and, and you're unique, we go, yes, I know. So are you desiring and just crying out in desperation and pursuing after the accomplishment of that purpose that God has for you? 
And so some of us may be, which is great. Some of us maybe not so much. And so I wanna talk about a couple of different things that, and we'll continue to walk through this passage of scripture. And so there's several key factors for people that are desperate. And the first one is hunger, right? We're hungry. And, and to me, I cracked up. I was like, we're in the middle of prayer and fasting. And my first point is hungry. You know, I just, that, I'm, I know my humor is a little bit different, but so like, are you hungry for what God is doing? Because it continues in verse five in this passage. It says that people from Jerusalem, from all, all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley, they went out to see and hear John. And so people from everywhere, all the cities, all the regions, that entire, like they all were coming out to see what was going on with this John the baptizer guy. And so why is that? Why would, why would you and I go to see this guy preach, you know, who's baptizing people? Some people, it was a spectacle, right? They, they just are going, well, everybody's going, like, let's, let's see what's going on. He, they say he wears camel hair, like, what's, what's up with that? You know, that's, that's not in style. And, you know, so some people just wanted to see what was going on. Other people, you know, they probably were going, well, if God's showing up and, and these significant things are happening, I want to be part of that because I want more. Like I want more of the Lord in my life. And because when you understand the context and the timeline of what's taking place. So when you look at the Bible, the Bible is comprised of two parts. You have the Old Testament and the New Testament. So the last book in the Old Testament is the book of Malachi. So from Malachi to the first book in the New Testament, which is Matthew, which is what we're reading today, you have four, over 400 years where there was no prophet in Israel. I mean, that is a long, long time. Let me give you just a, an understanding of, of time reference. So if you look at the, the life of our nation, you know, I know that there are first nationers and stuff, but when we look at our history, you have the, 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 the Declaration of Independence. And so that was signed in 1776, right? So that was 246 years ago. That's a long time ago, right? So if you add... If you add 154 more years, just imagine if there was that length of time where no prophet, no pastor, nobody, you know, like nothing was going on. Like the, it seemed like there was silence for 400 years. And I'll tell you what, I know I can absolutely relate because there are seasons of my life where I feel like disconnected from the Lord and I wonder what's going on and maybe you're at that place right now. Maybe you do feel like God is silent. You don't feel this connection with him and, and it is very possible that you have even been raised in the church uh, and it's possible that maybe that church wasn't so life-giving, wasn't so encouraging. Maybe you've never experienced the movement of the Holy Spirit and that freshness and newness that I'm talking about. Maybe you grew up in a little bit more of a, a stricter type, you know, church or, or just religious environment. And there is also the possibility that for most of your life or even right now, you feel purposeless. You know, we, we talk about the purpose of John the Baptist and, and it's easy for us to go, yeah, that was great for him. But we're, we look at our life and we're going, I don't feel like I have purpose. And it's possible that you're experiencing that right now. And so our hope and our trust is in the Lord. And so for us here in the church, um, if you're looking for purpose, 
we've got purpose that can fill this whole room. Like we've got vision and goals. And if so, if you're looking for something to be a part of that's bigger than you, like you're in the right place. Like stay here, hang out for a little while and let's maybe see what God might do and how he might work through you. Because maybe you're here and you're going, I'm hungry, I'm looking for more, I'm desperate. And so I, we, we're desiring that you would see the Holy Spirit work in your life, in your family, it threw you in the community because any time that we enter into the presence of God, we can feel him and experience him. And some of you, maybe if this is your first time or you've been coming for a little while, you're going, what's the deal? Like, what, what is that? That's the presence of God. That's the Holy Spirit. And it's not scary. It's not weird. Like, it is a great thing. But what happens, unfortunately, so many times when we walk into a place, and maybe you felt that today, where you walk into church and you feel unworthy. You go, God's there and I'm sure there's good people, but we feel unworthy and we're like, ah, like, oh my gosh. And cause why? why? Because all of a sudden we begin thinking of the things that we did that we're not proud of. And so shame sets in, maybe some guilt uh, mixed with some, you know, recognizing our need for forgiveness. And we're going, like, I don't, I don't feel so comfortable. And so that is a normal, natural, spiritual tension because we are sinners, like we've got issues and problems. And so when we sin, that disconnects us from, from God. And so I just, I wanna encourage you because there were so many people that were going out to hear John the Baptist. Why? Because they were interested, they were curious, they wanted more of God. And you might just simply be experiencing the same thing because you're hungry. And so then we get into this next piece where when we walk into God's presence, we have to admit guilt. And man, let me tell you what. So I write messages all the time and, and this point is not exciting. Like when I put it down, I'm like, ugh, who wants to admit guilt? Like none of us, like we never ever want to do that. But it is absolutely necessary if we're hungry and we're taking steps towards the Lord to live a life of desperation. And here's why. In verse six, it says this. So all those people that came out, they confessed. They confessed their sins and he baptized them in the Jordan River. And so many of us, we've done this before where we go, God, I, I can't, I don't feel worthy. And we go, you know what, I've, I just, I'm so sorry. Where we come to this place where we acknowledge our sinfulness and we go, God, I need you. I'm desperate for you. Please forgive me. Please cleanse me. I don't want to be disconnected from you anymore because it's terrible and I hate the feeling. And so to me, when you talk about a life of desperation, confession and admission of guilt, it proves desperation. It does. There's no doubt where we go, I'm not okay. I'm not okay with where I'm at and I wanna take a step forward. I wanna move to a better place. And so we've got to admit our guilt. And in scripture, it says very clearly that the forgiveness of our sins comes from confession. This is actually in John, 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins and he cleanses us from all wickedness. I mean, think about the magnitude of those words. Maybe you've read that verse before. Maybe you've heard about forgiveness before. I mean, so we're talking about forgiveness of all the things that we've ever done. And there's a really interesting word that's the last word. It's the word wickedness. 
I mean, when you break that word down, that's terrible. And so all the things that you and I have ever done that we're not proud of, we've ever thought or felt or said or done, like all of those are cleansed and forgiven when we confess. And so to me, confession is the Lord removing the stain that we carry, that we bear, and, and like he washes us clean. And I love that about who he is. And if you read in other passages of scripture, in fact, in the book of James, a great book, five chapters, easy read, so much content in it. Like James actually talks about how we're supposed to apologize, how we're supposed to apologize to each other. And so, so we confess our sins to God, but then we also have this level of confession to other people and asking them for forgiveness. But I mean, who wants to do that? You know, one of the, one of the things like, Nicole, like sometimes I feel really bad for her because she has to apologize to me all the time. <laughs> Why are you laughing? But seriously, I mean, it is so difficult to apologize and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have said that. But we struggle, we struggle badly sometimes to confess our sins to God and certainly to other people. I mean, like let's say you did something at work, like to your boss or whatever. I mean, you gotta go and apologize to your boss. That's so awkward. That's so difficult to do. But that's exactly where you find forgiveness. That's exactly where you find confession and restoration. So there's times when you have to say to your friends, to your roommate, hey, I shouldn't have done that. You have to go to your coworkers and be like, hey, you know, this isn't right and, and I need to make this right. And certainly in marriage, there's plenty of times and plenty of examples. And, and so when you understand confession and acknowledging it, 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 like it takes, it takes humility. It just takes this willingness to go into that uncomfortable spot, but that, that comes from that desire to reconnect because we feel disconnected from them. We feel separate. And so it's like, I, I'm not okay with that. And I'm willing to push everything inside of me aside to reconnect. And so it just, it's so hard though to admit that we've hurt someone or wronged them or made a mistake. And so if I could share just from my marriage, uh, just for a moment, like on a very serious level, I know some of you are single, some are married, but I think you'll get the, the, just the depth of, of what I'm sharing. So um, there are times, believe it or not, that I do hurt Nicole. Uh, and so the thing that's interesting is in our relationship, her and I have talked through this part where when I hurt her, she wants me to be the one that comforts her. Now, I'm a guy and that makes no sense. And so wives, like fiancés, girlfriends, like you gotta have patience with us fellas. Like sometimes things don't line up at all. And she says, no, 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 like you, you gotta understand, like yes, you hurt me, but you're also like, I care about you, I love you, you're my friend. And so when I'm hurting, I want you to also help me to, to feel better and, and to comfort me and, and to bring peace and security. And I'm going, but I caused the pain. And she looked at me, she's like, that doesn't matter. Because in our restoration, in our relationship, you're also the one that can bring the comfort. So yes, there's apology. Yes, there's I'm sorry. But there also is this level, this depth of emotional connection. And here's the deal, like I ain't saying it's easy and I am not saying that I figured it out. It is really really difficult, but I wanted to share just that depth 
and the understanding of what that looks like in, in just interpersonal relationships and, and just closeness of friends and family. And I mean, so in our, for us, obviously we committed, you know, we committed our vows in marriage. We made a covenant with, you, with each other and it's not always easy or pretty, but we just, we're determined to walk through the mess and figure it out. And sometimes it is challenging, but that, that, like, that's the confession, that's the willingness to, to step into that, whether it's your relationship with God or your connection with somebody else. Because if we're hungry for the Lord, or, or if, we want, if we live a life of desperation for the Lord, then we're hungry and we'll, we're willing to admit our guilt. But here's the thing that's challenging, and it's my third point. It's that some are not, right? Some people, and that might be you, you might not be desperate right now. And so I'm gonna challenge you a little bit. This might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable, but that's okay because there, there's an incredible ending. And so kind of work through this with me because in verse seven, as John the Baptist continues to talk, right? All these people are there. It says, but when, when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees, so those were the, the religious people, he saw them coming to watch, right? Not to be baptized, but to watch him baptize, he denounced them. He said, you brood of snakes, he exclaimed, who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Now, that brood of snakes thing, that's like Christian cursing, just FYI. Like, if it, like that's a substitute word for other things. He's like, you brood of snakes, and he really maybe wanted to say some other stuff, but they came out just to watch. Like, they didn't come out to experience life change. This is not out of desperation. They just are coming to observe and criticize because that's what's going on. Because when you understand the depth of, of what I'm talking about, a life that lacks desperation for God or for the Lord causes us to be critical. That's what, that's what, that's what takes place. And so these, these, these people that come out to watch, they aren't interested in getting involved and getting reconnected with, the, with God. They actually are trying to point out all the stuff he's doing wrong. And so I just, I just wanna share with you, like, I'm so glad you're here, but if, if you're here just to kind of point things out and criticize, like you're probably in the wrong place. Like there's so many of us, we're going after God. We're willing to be a little bit foolish, be a little bit crazy, be desperate for the Lord and go after him because we believe that there's a mighty move of God happening in and amongst us. And so if you want to see that, if you wanna be part of that, come on, like get on the bus. It's moving and it's going somewhere and we're excited about it. But, and, and so the same thing was happening with John the Baptist. I mean, all the people from the entire region were going out to see and get baptized. That's a big deal. That is a huge deal. And because people were experiencing the Lord in a very real way. And that's our heart and our desire. But these religious guys, they just wanted to point out all the problems and all the reasons and, all, and critique the whole thing. And, and that's what's interesting about us as human beings, think about it. If we're not part of it, if we're not bought in, or if we didn't start it, or if we don't have friends that are doing it, if we're not helping, usually we get a little bit judgmental about it, right? I mean, that, that's true. It's like, cause we're not bought in. Like we're not invested in what's going on over there. So we feel it's okay for us just to stand back and you know, type a few comments and make some posts and like kind of shoot some, some arrows at them and just be a little bit critical. We feel like it's okay to do that. 
And so, uh, you know, if you're not giving, if you're not serving, if you're not praying, if you're just observing, unfortunately, we do the same thing when it comes to church. We feel like it's okay to critique what's going on. But so, I mean, when you understand the ministry that John the Baptist had, I mean, tons of people are repenting of their sins and their life is turning around and they're going after God but not these guys. They weren't interested in that. They were just watching. And so my challenge is if you've been around church a little while, whether this church or a different one, or you kind of gone to church for a long time, and I just wanna caution you, like be cautious of where your heart is and the things that you think or feel or want to say regarding what God is doing in a unique way. because when you look at our lives individually, we come to the fourth point. And so our lives reveal, like they reveal. It is obvious by our life if we're desperate or not. And so that's exactly what John the Baptist said to those critical religious people in verse eight. He says, prove it, prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. And so like the, there's that inward stuff that goes on when we're encountering God, it's, it's inside of us and, and that we feel that turmoil and that tension. And so there's that inward desperation where God is doing something incredible. And then always, always when he does something inside of us, it will always become external. Every single time God does something in us because he wants to do something through us. It's not just simply for us to keep and hold on to. It's for us, yes, and we love it and it's amazing we're set free. But then he's like, now what are you gonna do with it? Who are you gonna use to reach now? How is this going to impact other people? And so maybe just in this prayer and fasting time, you know, you felt pulled or, or pushed, I don't care what you feel. It's like, I'll push you or pull you to fast. Like, but I just want you to try it, like try it out. So instead of saying, no, like no way I can't do that or that's too hard. Like I just, I would say if we're desperate and we're wanting more of God, there should be some movement. So I'm just saying, try it out. Say locusts or broccoli, I don't care. Like I don't care, but something and, and maybe it's more than that, and, 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 but there's breakthrough that comes in our life when we step into and walk out this level of desperation that we're feeling, but there's movement that comes with it. And so I want you to experience that because I believe, no doubt, in this new year, in this new season, in your life right now, that God wants to do something new and unique. And so I need you to walk through this because my fifth thing I wanna share with you is that yesterday's faith won't create desperation. There's got to be newness. It's gotta be fresh. It's gotta be exciting. I mean, none of us would eat stale bread. None of us would eat moldy leftovers out of the fridge. None of us. It's like, that's old. old. Okay, well, well, unfortunately, some of us were relying on the old. And I just wanna tell you, there's something new and it's available. And here's the challenge that John the Baptist laid out. Let's continue, it continues in verse nine. This is him speaking to them. He says, don't just say to each other that we're safe for we're descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Verse 10, even now the ax of God's judgment is poised. 
ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. That's intense. Like, I don't care who you are. Like, if you're following after Jesus, that's awesome. But man, this one makes me quiver a little bit. I'm like, oh, like, what am I doing? Like, I've got to respond. And, and so, I mean, because it's intense and it's meant to be. And so here's one of the things that I shared with my kids regarding this verse. So, right, I have three sons. Nicole and I have three sons, love them to death. But we've told all three of them, God does not have grandkids, I mean, so as a pastor's kid, it would be easy for our sons to go, well, you know, my parents are pastors and so we believe like they do. And, I, and I've told them, I'm like, it doesn't work like that. God doesn't have grandkids. Like I'm a son and I'm adopted in into, into God's family. You get to choose to be a son too or not. And so that, that's what John is saying to these religious people. Cause they're going, well, we're so religious, you know, check us out. And, and John's going, no, 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 no. Like that's old news. You're relying on something that is, that is past and outdated, significant. I'm not saying it, like Abraham was absolutely the patriarch of what's going on, no doubt. But that's, that's the faith from the past. Abraham's faith does not become mine. I have to adopt my own faith. And so I believe that there's fresh faith available and real for us now. And so where have you been content with yesterday's faith. Where in your life right now are you like, hey, I'm good because I did that. Maybe you went to vacation Bible school when you were a kid or I don't know like what it is, but you're relying on something from the past and you're just kind of dragging it along. And it's, it's like empty and old and worn out. And, and so the other challenge that I wanna give to you is that where is there evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life? Because John was talking to those people and he said, you, you need to prove it and there should be evidence. There should be fruit. There should be some type of movement. Just, it should come out. It's not just inside of us. And so I wanna, I wanna talk about a couple of different things as I wrap this message up. So the first piece very well might be that there is sin in your life. If John the Baptist is preaching and people are repenting and getting baptized, there, there is sin in our life. And I got news for you, we're all sinners. Every single one of us, we all got issues and problems, things that we do and say, and we gotta apologize to God and he's faithful and he forgives us. And so we've got sins, but are there sins in your life that have been preventing you from that desperation of wanting more of the Lord? Because are you hungry? So if you're not hungry and wanting more, then there's, there's some kind of obstacle. You're, you're hitting up against some kind of barrier. And it might be sin, it might be just a stale time, it might be a struggle. And so I just need you to see that and acknowledge it. And let's take some movement. Let's, let's move, remove the wall, remove the barriers and step more into the Lord. And so for some of you, whether you're here in person or you're watching online, that might be where you put your faith in Jesus. Uh, so quite simply, that's the start. That's the brand new beginning where we just, we have to acknowledge that Jesus truly is God's son and put our faith in him. And then be, when we do that, well, then we get the forgiveness, but our faith in him has to be first. And so I just, I wanna tell you, you might need to do that. Uh, that might be where you're at today or, or online. It's like, and so in just a moment, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray and, and I'm gonna invite you to pray along with me. And, and it is just an incredible opportunity for you where literally, your life changes. You go, I was this way before 
And now I'm choosing to live this way and to follow after Jesus. It's so incredible. In fact, in in scripture, it, it uses this phrase in John chapter three, where it says that we're born again. And, and, and the question is posed, it's like, well, born again, like what is, even does that mean? I can't physically be born again. It's not a, a, a physical like rebirth, it's a spiritual rebirth because you know, we have a body, we have a mind, we have a spirit. So when our, when our time ends and our days are up, our spirit lives forever. And so you know, like uh, Jesus is teaching, he's like, you have to be reborn so that you don't spend eternity in hell, that you spend eternity in heaven. And so that's my desire and want for you is that we would experience this newness, this rebirth in Christ and follow after him. Not just do it and then stop and stand there, but we're hungry for more and we're desperate and we're moving and following after him because he he is moving and the Holy Spirit is powerful and strong. And so I would invite you in just a moment to like, we'll pray. And maybe just maybe you need to make that commitment to follow Christ or maybe you need to kind of re-up, like make a recommitment to Jesus. Maybe you have in the past and you're going, man, you you are preaching right to me today. And I, I, like, I get it. Like God is speaking in his scriptures so real and I love it. And so maybe you need to recommit your life to follow after Christ. And so we're gonna do that right now. And then we'll, we'll take communion together because here at Grace Church, we, we would invite you to partake in communion with us. Um, but we do ask that you would be a follower of Christ. Uh, that's what scripture lays out as a mandate. And so... If you need elements, if you're here in the auditorium and you don't yet have some and you want to partake, if you just slip your hand up, our ushers would be happy to serve some to you. Uh, They'll bring them to you in just a moment. But I wanna get back to that part about desperation where some of you, you need to take that step forward in establishing your relationship with Jesus. So if y'all could do me a favor, go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes. Uh, I just, I want this to be an intimate moment Uh, between you and God, because that's exactly what it is, where this is a big deal. So it's not about me, it's not about the person next to you, but it's about you and your connection with God. Because I believe that God has actually been speaking to some of you. And what that is, is that's not weird, that's actually the Holy Spirit. And so he's not scary. He actually comes in our life and he, he, he does cause us to feel that the, 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 the weight of our sin. And so we're not meant to carry that where we can give that over to the Lord. And that's exactly what he wants to do. And then with that, he brings that newness in life. And so maybe you're watching online or maybe you're here in the auditorium, but if you know that you need to make a commitment to follow Jesus, or maybe you need to recommit your life to Christ, I would just ask you to do this one small thing. If you could just slip your hand up and just say, yep, that's me, man, you got me. I need that. Yeah, just go ahead and put your hand up. There's other people. It's not just you, I promise. Online too, like God is moving in this moment and it is for you. Do you see that? Like I need you to recognize that because it says clearly in scripture, you can go ahead and put your hands down. It says clearly in scripture that Jesus died. God sent Jesus to die for us, like us as individuals. So I'm glad you're here, but just cause you're here doesn't make it right. You've got to take your own steps. And so I'm gonna pray. Um, and I would ask that you would come along and, and pray with me. Uh, maybe you repeat after me and, and then we'll partake communion together. And so maybe you say something like this, like, God, I know I need you. God, I, I'm desperate for you. Jesus, would you move in my life? Uh, Jesus, I acknowledge that 
you are God's son. And I, I ask that you would forgive me. I've done so many things wrong. And I, I, I'm, I feel the shame, I feel the, the guilt from them. And I'm not proud of that stuff, but I, I ask that you would forgive me. And so right now I put my faith in you, my, my trust in you, my belief is in you. I believe that you're God's son. I believe you rose from the dead. And I take you to be my own because I wanna follow after you. I am desperate to know you more. Would you come into my life and change me? Would you give me a fresh start and a new beginning? I long for you. And God, I thank you for your presence in this moment. I thank you that you're settling in our lives and in this time and it's incredible. And so if you desire to partake in, with communion uh, with us, um, if you wanna peel that top layer of cellophane back, there's a, a wafer and some juice. And I wanna talk about this just for a moment because uh, sometimes I think we, we take communion for granted. Uh, it's something maybe that you've done before, maybe a, a number of times, and it's easy for us just to kind of fly right through. But I wanna share something that's meaningful to me. I, you know, when, when I hold the wafer, I always go back and, and I put myself in the environment where Jesus was teaching about, about communion kind of for the first time, uh, where he was at the Last Supper with his disciples right before he was gonna be betrayed and crucified. And, and so they actually were partaking in the Passover meal. And so to have unleavened bread and, and a cup of wine was very normal for the Passover. But Jesus did this one thing. He said, you know, this is my body. He took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body. And, and for them, it would be very different for him to say that. But I just, I wanna share something so significant because previously, Jesus had given multiple examples of what he was, what he is. And so there was one time where he said, I am the bread of life. And so in this time of prayer and fasting, like there are some of us, like we're not eating particular foods or food at all. And, and so it's like, but if we don't eat for an extended period of time, we die. We don't have nutrients and like our body can't function. And so Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. And so when you and I take communion, like literally we are consuming him and who he is. And it is incredibly powerful and so significant where we take on his life, his life becomes our own and our life changes. And so communion is so important, it's so valuable because then he picked up the, the cup and you know, it, it, he said, this is the, the cup of the new covenant. For the, and so with this, you'll have the forgiveness of your sins. So previously, they would have to do animal sacrifices. You know, where they would slaughter, slaughter animals for the, 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 the blood and, and the cleansing and the repentance of the people and, and them. And, and so Jesus is saying, I now am the sacrificial lamb, pure and spotless. And so my blood now cleanses you once and for all. It's so significant. And I love just the understanding of it. And so let's pray together and then we'll partake of these elements. And so Lord God, we come before you. And Father, I just thank you so much for your presence. And so Lord Jesus, thank you uh, for your body. You literally, you were, you were betrayed, you were arrested, though you had done nothing wrong. You stand in front of those people that judged you and they beat you and they hit you. They whipped you and scourged you. They hit you with rods. And, and Lord Jesus, it just, it breaks my heart just the 
the, the understanding in scripture where it literally says that you were beaten so badly that you were unrecognizable and you were disfigured. And I can't imagine the pain that you experienced in your body through that. And yet you give us forgiveness. You, you spoke out like, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. And I absolutely believe that. But Lord, right now we're here in this place and we want to partake in you and your body and your life. Would you change us? And Lord Jesus, would you forgive us and cleanse us? You, you literally bled so that we could be restored. There had to be payment for our sin and you were it. And so we ask, Lord, we are so sorry for all the things that we've ever done. Would you restore us? Lord, that you would help us to come back to unity with you through these elements, Father. And I pray blessings over them in Jesus' name.